For this session, I was joined by Clint Conlin, who's a modern workplace specialist within Microsoft. Uh, the session was part of our Microsoft Week Wales series of events, and we were talking about all about Teams. So looking back at the beginning of 2020 and the impact that the pandemics had on the way that people work and Microsoft's response to that and how Teams has become part of uh, everyday life for the majority of people. Just very, very quickly, our focus is around cloud services, primarily helping customers around security, productivity, and what we call agility. So, so moving services into the cloud. Hi, thanks for joining us. You're listening to Straight Talking 365 with Mark Lawson and guests. For the first session, I'm pleased to be joined by Clint Conlin, who's the Modern Workplace Specialist uh, in Technology for, for Social Impact side of Microsoft. I won't steal his thunder. I'll let him introduce himself in a second. I just wanted to very quickly take us back to the beginning of 2020. It seems a hell of a long time ago now, doesn't it? And so much has happened since then. But uh, um, funnily enough, coming back from a meeting in uh, with Microsoft and probably the last time I think that I was in London, but that was February, sort of towards the end of February 2020. And even then I thought, you know, Teams is everywhere I look at the moment. The Microsoft were clearly pushing Teams really hard. So, so even then, before the pandemic hit, um, you know, Teams was um, was had a massive profile from from a Microsoft point of view. And I'd like to uh, to introduce Clint Conlin now. Seems like a good time to do that. Um, welcome, Excellent. Clint. Good Thank morning. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, do you want to just tell me a little bit about yourself and and your role in Microsoft? Yeah, sure. So, Clint Conlin modern workplace specialist. Um, so anything in the Microsoft 365 stack is my area of expertise. Generally, if you think of Microsoft terms, level 100 to 200 uh, across things like security, compliance, uh, teams. And these have been the, the, the hot topics uh, since COVID you know, struck um, globally. Yeah, I mean, it's true that there are, Microsoft do other things other than teams, don't they? So it just seems that they <laughs> Teams is the dominant product at the moment, yeah. isn't it? Hence, hence yeah. why we're starting off with, with Teams. Brilliant. So, yeah, I mean, 2020 has obviously been a, a massive year of change for, for lots of reasons. So thinking back to before sort of COVID hit, so so earlier in 2020 the, and, and maybe this time last year, um, what, what were your Microsoft's focuses around um, at Microsoft 365 and, and Teams in particular? Yeah, sure. I, I always like to start these types of questions with a caveat that, I'm not part of the product group, so you know I wasn't involved in shaping the direction uh, of the products. Um, but it's it's quite interesting that when I was reflecting on the journey we've been in and over the last year, it's probably worth highlighting that Microsoft Teams actually turned three in March 2020. So a lot of people think yeah. that Microsoft Teams was brand new this year because of, as you mentioned, that huge marketing push that we've seen. When we think of the roadmap. Um, Microsoft 365, and before it was called Microsoft 365, we were talking Office 365 and enterprise mobility and security and Windows. The goal was always to allow people to be able to work from anywhere on any device securely. Um, that roadmap uh, and the technologies that were available didn't change an awful lot, but we did see a reprioritization uh, to really you know, bolster the secure remote working that we needed yeah, brilliant. Okay. Um, and then obviously, 
you know, again, thinking back to sort of beginning of March, which again seems a hell of a long time ago. Yeah. Um, obviously, COVID started to have an impact. Then I remember working with a couple of customers at that time on, on Teams deployments where we just about managed to get the users trained before they shut the office down and uh, yeah. you know, sent them home to work, which, you know, from that from their point of view, was time was perfect. So, um, you know, with lots of customers looking to move people out of the office at that time, you know, how did you find that? What, how was, how was, how was life in Microsoft? Chaos, yeah, chaotic's probably the, the best word. Um, so at the start, you know, I probably should have mentioned I work exclusively with non-profits and the United Nations uh, in EMEA, so enterprise customers. And same as any commercial organisations, there was a huge scramble to get devices and also get to get the expertise and partners that could support the the migration to teams and also the quick wins that you could get from a hybrid estate uh, so i spent a lot of my time basically just channeling requests from customers <laughs> to try and find partners who had availability I, I, I liken it sometimes to the stock market <laughs> you know i was putting shouts out who has a you know a consultant yeah. for vpn who has a consultant for teams and just trying to pair up the right people at the right time yeah, Matt, I remember, but yeah, similar sort of time, you know, mid mid March time, one of our customers had to buy, configure, and send out almost five hundred laptops because obviously clearly yeah. they weren't, you know, they weren't geared up for for home working, and suddenly they had oh. that impact. I mean, some, you know, did it seamlessly. I mean, our, ourselves, it was fairly straightforward because we were already using Teams, we were already using it from the cloud. So you know, our, our help desk guys just and girls just went home, basically, yeah. and, and carried on doing what they're doing. But yeah, a lot of organisations had to react really really quickly um and obviously over the last you know thinking from from march to, to where we are now december good grief yeah in december now um yeah. you know we've we've seen a phenomenal amount of development within teams o over that period for obvious reasons since march so can you talk us through some of the key developments that you've that you've seen over the last eight or nine months yeah i know we were speaking about this offline before we joined and i did my homework you know there has been 185 features added to Microsoft Teams since March. <laughs> oh, thanks for doing this, that. Yeah, I haven't got that yeah. number, but yeah, thank you. Good grief. It, it, and when you look at these things that came in, it wasn't simply they made it look slightly different or they moved a button. This was, you know, proper transformational product changes that were, were taking place. Um, some of the key ones for, for me, again, selfishly thinking of the nonprofit sector, but I, I'm aware it was used in commercial. Um, there was a, a, a tool called Virtual Visits that was released so virtual visits would give our customers and our non-profits, specifically those who were in the healthcare or social care realms, a means to allow, you know, their beneficiaries to be able to select from calendar availability of set staff and then book a Microsoft Teams meeting directly with them without sharing all of the calendar information of the, the staff. So that's something that was very, very useful and powerful um, that, that was accelerated um, in terms of prioritization from Microsoft to help meet that need. I was going to say, was that something that was in the roadmap anyway and, and bought for? Yeah, it, it was. And, you know, it's, it actually brings together something called Microsoft Bookings and Microsoft Teams. And up until that point, Microsoft Bookings was seen much more as a SMB type tool. You know, it's a simple uh, mechanism for allowing scheduling of services. But we've seen that that would actually fill that gap of how do we replace face-to-face -face meetings uh, and help to make it very, very easy to schedule those and access those from any device, which was key. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, I will cover some of the ones that obviously have impacted us and, you know, sort of most yeah. of our customers. So, you know, obvious ones being meeting enhancements and particularly the video enhancements. Some would cynically say that's to compete with people like Zoom, but I'm not going to go there. But yeah, I think there's... <laughs> there's no point shying away from it. Of course it is. You know, uh, I, I think the one that comes to mind where I was chased on a daily basis was, you know, the, the seven by seven view, being able to see 49 screens at the same time. And, and you know, when I first seen the request, I was like, you know, how, really? how useful is that? Um, but when you started to speak to people who worked in the likes of the education sectors who were now trying to, you know, maintain a classroom and, and keep an eye on, you know, who's actually engaged with the sessions, it became apparent how, how useful that was. Likewise, rhyming off some of the other key areas, you know, things like um, the, the backgrounds is, is fun. I think fun was, was needed, uh, you know, yeah, to kind of get yeah. us through some of this. Um, and the ability to then bring together a mode where you can see all of the participants in a single screen. Um, the interesting piece around that is it's it's quite cool, it's quite fun, but you know there was studies done that showed that it actually helped reduce you know video call fatigue because yeah. you're not constantly looking across you know all of the individual participants. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that was something that nobody else does. Obviously, I think that was developed for education, wasn't it, to to kind of replicate that yeah. environment where you're in a you're in a lecture theatre or yeah, yeah that's yeah so so we'll yeah we'll co cover some of that towards the end and obviously there's you know i understand there's a limit to what you can share in terms of what the future <laughs> looks like for for the roadmap uh, for microsoft 365 in general but obviously teams specifically anything that you think is coming along that we need to be aware of yeah there's actually a, a whole host of um, new features that we're hoping to bring out you know now in this in december so another that one of the biggest um that I'm chased on is something referred to as virtual breakout rooms. So the ability yes. to start a meeting and then have sub meetings where, you know, the, the, the organizer can then call everyone back from those meetings. So it's a great way for, you know, small team ideation and then reporting back into to a larger event as well. Yeah, that's the number one request we, or the number one we question question we get and when we run these sessions yeah. is when when will we see breakout rooms? So, so I'll, I'll cross my fingers. I'm not in product group, but December is what the, the public roadmap is showing just now. Yeah. Okay, brilliant. Um, a, few, a few others. Um, the larger meeting rooms. So we, we refer to this as an interactive Teams meeting and there is a limit of 300 participants now up from 250 um, a few months back. We are bringing in a capability with an additional add-on to bring that number up to a thousand interactive participants. Um, and I think we are going to see the lines being blurred between what's referred to as an interactive Teams meeting and Teams live events, which sure. I'm sure you'll touch on um, in your engagement later on. Yeah. yeah, no, brilliant. Yes, that's, yeah, 300. I'd, yeah, I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. But yeah, we have, we've run both yeah. um, interactive and, and live events. Um, Obviously, remote working's produced um, lots of additional challenges for for organisations, non-profits that you work on, but obviously wider across you know small and medium-sized businesses. How's Microsoft addressing this challenge? Yeah, like I say, I think Microsoft, from a technology standpoint, has been geared up over the last probably two or three years towards allowing that secure remote work from anywhere. Um, but what we've done a really good job of is starting to you know make it much easier to find the appropriate documentation and how-to guides uh, to actually take you through how to set this up and how to, you know, get the very best adoption that you can from the products. Of course, you know, old school IT, you know, 
it used to be your project finished when you know the the, the switchover was made new it is very much we need to be making sure that the business is getting as much value as possible from any technical solutions that that are put in place so a few few kind of key areas is you know there's now a really good remote teamwork guide that's a nice hub for all of the different variants from it pro guidance to end user videos for training and we also have something called the microsoft 365 adoption hub Again, it, it ties in nicely with your user adoption and change management and again tells you how to build up that successful deployment of Teams, Office 365, um, OneDrive for Business, SharePoint, you know, you name it. So a lot of effort in there. And probably finally and, and most importantly, for again, I'm very security focused, is we've, we've created the Zero Trust Deployment Centre as well. So this idea that we shouldn't explicitly trust a user just because they've provided credentials. There is a number of factors that need to come into play around the identity the user's device that they're on, the risk that we may have seen from that user in the past. So the Zero Trust Deployment Centre is a great resource for that. Yeah, I've noticed Microsoft have started to put a lot more um, functionality in, in things like Microsoft 365 Business, which, which is obviously targeted for those sort of organisations, 300 seats and below. But, you know, we, we find a lot of customers have not even deployed half the things that come out of the box with Office 365, like multi-factor authentication being being the obvious one. So I think particularly for, for home workers, as you say, just getting that baseline security, advanced threat protection is another one. Um, we cover some of that security stuff in um, one of the sessions this week as well in a little bit more depth. Um, mm-hmm. Tomorrow morning, we're running a securing uh, your business environment session as well, because yeah, absolutely. There are lots of bolt-ons you can bring to security, but there's also a lot of things out of the box that maybe with a bit of configuration work. And again, Microsoft are making that configuration work a little bit easier. Um, So I think we've probably covered the other two questions I was going to ask you as we've gone through, but but the final one really was was sort of any tips for customers looking to deploy Teams for the first time or accelerate the rollout of Teams that they're currently doing? Yeah, yeah. So I think touching on what I mentioned earlier, probably the key piece is make sure that user adoption and change management is part of the process. And, and you know, it really needs that senior stakeholder buy-in and support. So the, the best teams deployments that then result in the best adoption from what I've seen in the nonprofit sector is those that are championed by, you know, the senior executives. Um, the time taken to build up at what we refer to at Microsoft as a champions network, but it's those early adopters and allowing for that feedback loop of what's working and what isn't is so important because, again, I know many of the people in the call are IT focused, you know, IT pros or IT decision makers. There's not enough bandwidth in IT to be the sole focal point for training people on any solution from Microsoft. So you need to get these people bought into Microsoft Teams and doing the work for you within their departments as well. Another, another, one other point before we, we kind of move as well, Mark, I would say is make sure you utilise these resources. I'm aware that there's so many that sometimes it's a yeah. challenge to decide what one to use when, uh, but do do make sure that you, you're aware of you know what is available to you. And, and probably the, the last piece I'd like to finish on is, you know, if we want to move quickly, then we should be utilising experienced partners who have done this numerous times and, and have, you know, the success cases to go with it. Yeah, brilliant. Of course, I would agree uh, with that, with all of that. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we, we use the uh, the stat, and I think it probably came from Satya uh, a while back around the fact that Microsoft saw something like two years digital transformation crunched yeah. into two months or something like that. I mean, that 
you know, sitting here now, that's that seems quite reasonable. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we had a, a, a kind of customer um, case study that was released in September for the Royal British Legion. Um, they had a, an 18-month programme of work planned and ready to go from February. Uh, they ended up deploying, you know, I think you touched on it earlier with one of your customers, but, you know, 1,500 laptops were deployed. Uh, they moved all of the local files into OneDrive and SharePoint with teams in the front end um, in the space of four weeks. So, yeah, there, there's so many stories like that, that, you know, if you'd said beforehand that someone could even achieve it, you would say no chance, but it, it can be done. And I guess that's quite a nice lesson that I don't suggest that we try and do every program of work that would normally take 18 months and four weeks. But there is that element that if we take slightly more risks, we can actually, you know, meet the end go- goals for these projects a lot quest- quicker by being agile. Yeah, I think I think the the overall takeaway is it's, you know it's just phenomenal how quickly people can adopt you know th- thinking about the the sort of end users of this technology, yeah. but also the organisations. And I think things like whether you call it home working or flexible working, ho- however you want to um, position it, people just seem to have generally embraced it. And I think um, I've got some slides that talk about some of the impact and and what it's meant to organisations. But yeah, it just shows I guess when people are given the um, the authority, the trust to, to work from home, they, they, they just get on with it. And I think a lot of organisations have changed their view on home working up, I'm guessing Microsoft themselves. Uh, not some, not as much in Microsoft ourselves because we have, for the most part, always been geared up to be a remote organisation. Sure. You know, we have 140,000 staff globally. Um, and certainly there will be certain roles that did need to adapt more than others. Uh, myself, Pretty excluded again uh, because I regularly uh, I, I made the joke earlier, Mark. You know, I, I do miss my my trips down to London every couple of weeks. You know, <laughs> it's a sad day when you miss a red eye to uh, Glasgow to London for six a.m. But um, the face to face is necessary. But I think what's probably come out of this across the whole is that people can be trusted to to do their work from anywhere if you give them the appropriate tools. Brilliant. I think that's perfect note to kind of finish this little section on Clint so uh, appreciate your insights and your honesty and uh, brilliant thank you pleasure just very very quickly our focus is around cloud services primarily helping customers around security productivity and what we call agility so so moving services into the cloud thanks for joining us you're listening to Straight Talking 365 with Mark Lawson and guests